guys, Drew Moss here, and uh, in our podcast today, we're going to be talking through the idea of suffering in the Christian life. Uh, I had a chance to sit down with Justin Ebert, who does youth here, Jim Johnson, our lead guy, and also Jake Moore, who spent uh, years overseas planting churches in Ethiopia. And uh, we talk about a handful of things. We talk about what we mean by Christian suffering. Uh, we talk about what that looks like in uh, in our world today, and then even spend some time breaking down whether or not we ought to be suffering more and, and what that looks like to go ahead with that guiding principles for thinking through these things today. Hope it is beneficial for you all. Hey, welcome to another episode of Consider This. Today, we are talking about a, a topic that has been kind of born out of some of my study this week. Um, on Sunday, which you'll actually be listening to this after Sunday, so sorry about that. But um, in just a couple days, for me, uh, we'll be preaching out of Acts 14 as we continue our series through that book, jumping back into it this week. Um, but but in the process of that study, there's this verse that has come that kind of hit me this week. Um, it, it comes after Paul and Barnabas have traveled through a section of Asia Minor, and, and in each little town they go to, they seem to experience persecution and opposition. And then when they go back through these uh, churches, these towns later, to encourage the church, there's this verse, uh, Acts 14, verse 22. It says that they went through strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And uh, that verse right there really hit me this week, guys, as I was studying. And, and honestly, it's, it's kind of brought up a number of questions in my own uh, heart as I've been wrestling through what this looks like. This, this verse seems to be so forceful, not just a, hey, uh, might be hard sometimes, guys. Uh, hey, we may, we may go through some difficulty, but it is a we must. The word there is kind of like a, it is necessary for us to suffer to enter the kingdom of God, um, which is which is pretty pretty strong there. And so I've been thinking about this and, and what the Bible says about it. So I wanted to kind of pick you guys' brains a little bit this morning uh, on on this idea. So talk to me a little bit about um, this passage and others. What we see in the New Testament when when uh, when the Bible discusses suffering in the Christian life, what we should or should not expect, and and how the New Testament writers talk about this. I think the first text that comes to my mind when we talk about this is John 15, where Jesus is very clear that the world hates me, mm. and therefore if you attach yourself to me, the world will hate you also. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was true for the disciples then, and I believe a true statement for the disciples mm. now, that the way we walk and the way we live is going to be contrary to the way of the world as it should be as we walk in light darkness is not going to like that and therefore there's going to be this uh this conflict Mm -hmm. and that's going to come out in different ways sufferings and trials and we can get into kind of the difference between those yeah um coming up but that to me is jesus saying what's to come paul Mm -hmm. reiterates that paul lives that and then here in acts 14 we see that as well yeah that seems to be almost the foundation for a lot of the other texts is this idea of Jesus just says, hey, they hated me, your 
um, your leader, the author of your faith, the, your Lord, then it's it, just expect that it's going to happen for you. It seems like that's kind of in the back of Paul's and Peter's and the writer of Hebrews' minds as they write other things. Uh, what other stuff do we see in the New Testament when it talks about Christians suffering or going through hardship? Well, you've mentioned the word a couple of times already, and that's expected. Yeah. I think that throughout Acts, we see each story has almost built into it this expectation that mm-hmm. there's going to be some type of tension, conflict, or maybe even suffering mm-hmm. tied to the preaching of the gospel and living out their faith in these various societies. Yeah. Um, and it really it runs contrary to some of how we feel uh-huh. in the modern day here in the United States because we don't have that expectations as believers here yeah. uh, in Stillwater. And so I think... Maybe we're even surprised when we read verses like that uh, from yeah. 14, yeah. 14, 22, is that, oh, man, hardship was just something that they thought was a part of preaching the gospel. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's there. It's an expectation. You know, it's <clears throat> I hope I'm not getting ahead of what you're wanting to do, Drew, but it's interesting that when you look at how the Bible is uh, given to us in terms of the many different uh, communities, that are dealing with truth about God. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have this language in the Old Testament. I've been, I've been thinking a lot about this since yeah. our conversation on Monday. So you don't have a, hey, Israel, I just want you to understand that as you're an Israelite and living in the promised land, it's going to be really hard for you. Like yeah. You don't have that language. Yeah. It's hard for the prophets. Yes. But the community of faith has completely embraced. Like It's, it's under the assumption yeah. that the community has entered into a covenant relationship with God, mm-hmm. And any kind of problem is be out of rebellion yes, against you, God. You sure. see, you see that a lot. Like, if you disobey, it will be hard for you. Right. Yes, and if you obey, there will be blessing. There right, will be blessing, blessing. Yeah. blessing, cursing. And where yeah. that begins to go wrong is when the people then embrace societally mm-hmm. a rebellion against God. Yeah. And then so the prophets and those who speak out, there's injustice, and the prophets are the ones who face hardship. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, and the, I, I remember reading a book, I think it's John Killinger's book on fundamentals of preaching, and he, he helped me see that when we look at history, okay, so history becomes somewhat of the framework that we understand why Paul says this or why Jesus promises this, that you are moving from a This is what's going on inside of the nation of Israel that is living in a covenant relationship with God rebelliously or faithfully, to now we are um, um, evangelists going out into a world that does not follow our rules, this does not follow our way, it is not in a relationship with God, and this is the message that we're going to Mm -hmm. be sharing with them. Mm -hmm. And that message, which is the gospel for Mm -hmm. us, then all of a sudden, like this is what's going to be the blowback. <laughs> yeah. So in, 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 there's there's a sense in which we can, as a people, without taking everything, maybe expect the prophet's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. we're speaking against. Yeah. Uh, the 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 society mm-hmm. or societies right around the world that are not living in covenantal relationship with right. God. So in that sense, again, I'm not trying to say we're all prophets because it's, that's, that's not where I'm going. Sure. But you could probably expect that that's going to be a very natural uh, development or that's going to be the natural expectation that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. You're speaking against, yeah. even though you're speaking for. We like to play that game a little bit. Let's quit telling people what we're against and start telling what, they're, what we're for. Yeah which I agree with. By the time you're done, it'll feel like you're against something. I no, promise this is, you. Yeah, this is a great, that's, yeah, that's a great question because that's, you know, asking this like, why? Why do they expect it when we go, okay, so here's what they're coming to tell you, um, that God loves you 
and he sent his son Jesus to die for you so that you can go and spend eternity with him. Um, wh- why is that getting people beat up? You know what I mean? It, yeah. why, so, so what is about that? I mean, obviously it, it has a little bit to do, we have a fuller definition of gospel when we talk about that, but yeah. what is it about gospel proclamation and about even just faithfulness to Christ in general that causes suffering? Well, I think Jim's touching on it some in that it challenges the frameworks within which those societies function. Mm, exactly. And I think that that's where you see even like Acts 19, we'll fast forward to that a little bit. In Ephesus, yeah. the gospel messes up the economic system yep. in Ephesus. Yeah. The gospel, suddenly people are worshiping Jesus and not going to the silversmith mm-hmm. to get the little idols for uh, for Artemisus. Yeah, yeah. And, and suddenly all the silversmiths are really angry about it. Mm-hmm. And it's because they changed the framework with, with within which that society functioned. Mm-hmm. And it was because of Jesus, because of that gospel proclamation. And so I think what we see now, even into the modern day, is that the gospel is challenging those power frameworks in various societies. Mm-hmm. And people don't like that they're going to be angry about it, Yeah, the people in power in particular. Well, yeah. when you move beyond the love piece, right? Right. So you, you're right. In a, in a monologue, just go tell people that God loves them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then go tell people that he died for them. But the problem is, is that it's easy for Jim to say that or you to say that on Sunday from the stage. Mm-hmm. But then when I go to my neighbor and I say, hey, God loves you, and they're like, okay, thanks. And he died for you. Okay, I, I didn't need that actually. Yeah. What, are you, what are you saying here? Yeah. Why, why are people mm. dying for me? Like, what did I need? Yeah. Oh, uh, hold on a second. I got to go talk to Drew because yes. that's when you start going. Because by the way, here's part of what we want you to know we're for. We're for the idea that without Christ, you are an object of God's wrath. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Destined to a life of separation from Him, which is like eternal torment. That's what we're for. Yeah. We're for that. Yes. <laughs> that being that being spoken. <laughs> And yeah. now all of a sudden it gets it gets muddy well, yeah, fast. And, and why? Why am I desperate? Well, because you um, because you owe every bit of your life to him, uh, and so you ought to be living for him. You know what I mean? And especially once you recognize what he's done, your allegiance is then owed to him through Jesus Christ. That's gospel. He's King. He's Lord. You know. And yeah, so it does. It there's a lot more to it than just he loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You know. Corinthians talks about how the foolishness of the cross to the world, and it's an offense to them. Like it's a stumbling block to the Jews, and it's crazy to the Gentiles. (laughs) And and that's just true. Like the way of Christ, that he, how he's one piece with God, is really frustrating to the Jews, and it just sounds crazy to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And that's another. I mean, our faith hinges on that Christ's work on the cross and in the resurrection. And then the implications of his ascension, that he is now king, which means you have to lay down all these mm-hmm. things that you've based your life on now right. and submit them to the king. Mm-hmm. Right. And that means a change in economic life, a change in your social life, a change in your familial life, a change in every part of who you are and every way you are to function in this life mm-hmm. is not easy. And people don't Aren't, most people aren't willing to do that, which is why the way of Jesus is narrow. So expect mm-hmm. blowback. Yeah, right. right. That's I mean that's essentially it. Expect yeah. blowback. Yeah, that's uh, it's. I think it's First Peter four, uh, where yeah. he says First yep. Peter four twelve. Don't don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's like why why are you caught off by that or or Paul's 
2 uh, Timothy 3, everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. That's kind of, that kind of goes, expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, wanna, I do want to kind of clarify a point of clarification because you mentioned um, Old Testament is different, right? Uh, that, that you don't see this. And so this is where I think it is worth saying the Old Testament does speak to suffering. Totally. Um, you have the book of Job. You have Ecclesiastes. Yep. Yep. You have these things yep, that sure. speak to the idea of suffering. Um, and, and this is where we, we differentiate. We're not talking about suffering in general. What happens when my mom dies or or if I get cancer or if there's a car accident and I lose those kinds of things were specifically the New Testament in in these in this is, is often talking in terms of the suffering that is a result of obedience to Jesus. Um, the suffering we like to say, you know, it's, it's the kind of suffering that could be avoided if you're not faithful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you if you choose to not do this, then you wouldn't have to go through it. Whereas uh, cancer doesn't fit in that category. Yeah. Um, that's legitimate suffering, and we need to talk through as a church. <laughs> sure. What does it look How like to suffer, to suffer well. through those as well? But, but the kind of suffering we're talking about specifically here is the kind of suffering that is a result of faithfulness and obedience to Jesus. So notice, mm-hmm. that, notice the paradigm shift then that happens. This is where the prosperity gospel, um, uh, health and wealth, really comes from a... Uh, uh, I, I think a misapplication of the Old Testament mm-hmm. and a lot of the promises because you really have a hard time with it in the new. Uh, but you can develop it from to avoid suffering. What do you do? You are faithful to God. Yeah. Um, d- d- not, and again, that's even somewhat uh, proverbial. Yep. Right. So it's not an always. Job is the classic example that um, you can suffer for reasons that you won't do not fully understand or yeah, appreciate. It's not a formula. It's not a formula. So yeah. the Bible never gives it as a formulaic way of looking at it. But the Bible does say. Choose life in Deuteronomy and uh-huh. look at these blessings that will be given to you. So there is in the Old Testament a, a rather, if you're seeking um, uh, peace with God and peace uh-huh. in this world, if you want to live long in the land, if you yeah. want to you know, have a family that is, if you want to be a tree that's planted by streams yeah. of living water mm-hmm. and bearing fruit in its season, if you want that, then follow the way of God. Mm-hmm. And then you have not a reversal but you have the, the next level of conversation as the gospel then enters into a broken world mm-hmm. is, um, and now, as you continue to talk about the way of God, mm-hmm. uh, which is the gospel of God through his son, Jesus Christ, this is what you should now expect. Yeah. yeah. Well, and even I think of you know the prosperity gospel using Old Testament verses. Even even much of those, the promises of blessing and curse, are communal in in nature. It totally. is Israel as a whole. Yeah. This nation will be blessed if you obey. That's not saying that uh, every individual yep. will never experience yep. suffering. No, there are all kinds of examples in the Old Testament of that. But but you know back on ours. So so tell me about this. What do we specific I say specifically what what fits in this idea of suffering for Jesus or tribulation to enter the kingdom of God are we talking is that only getting beat up for Jesus is that only um, what we would deem like persecution like what what qualifies biblically as um, going through tribulation to enter the kingdom of God I don't want to talk about what qualifies but let me <laughs> let me let me let me talk about what we got to be careful of as Jake or Justin explain that, or you explain that, is that I want you to think in terms of you're sitting down and you're talking with somebody who has been, who has been abused, Mm -hmm. okay? And and they've been abused, like terribly. And then I walk in and I just say to them, man, I know exactly what that's like. Because the other day, um, I had somebody say something that was sad to me, and, and I'm with you. 
and I'm looking at this person who is like physically, emotionally, right. sexually like traumatized. And then I come in and I want to relate to them. And I, I talk about something that is much smaller. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think about like how, not just inconsiderate, how like, inappropriate that is. And so I think as we begin to talk about this, we should at least be aware that the conversation, these words must mean things. Mm-hmm. And we need to be aware of not the most persecuted in the world, but we need to be around like what kind of categories are we talking about so that there is a, a mindfulness as we begin to try to define it. Because we're mm-hmm. talking about some people that have really... <laughs> gone through some things yeah Mm -hmm. and i mean when i think i've gone through something bad and then i sit down with people who've really struggled yeah i kind of stop talking Mm -hmm. in terms of like i know how you feel Mm -hmm. because i just i don't know how they feel so i I think that might at least kind of point us in a direction i don't know which which way you guys want to go on this no i think when we put in terms of things you can control things you can't control I can control whether or not in the midst of suffering for the name of Jesus, I say I'm with Jesus or not. I can control that. In the moment if somebody says, okay, you can either have your life or I can take your life, depending on what you say about Jesus. That's I can control that and say, oh, okay, I'm not on with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm out on that. Mm-hmm. Or another thing you can't control is your child dying. You can't control that. You can't control you getting cancer. Uh-huh. Okay, those are things you don't have control of. And so trials that we maybe see in James 1 where it's, um, you know, when you face these things, know that these are building up a maturity in you and a completeness in you that you will face many things and produce steadfastness in you. Those are just general difficulties that you may or may not be able to control. Sufferings, I think the way you put it is things that if you didn't have an allegiance to Jesus, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be facing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's those are the two categories, just general tough things and yeah, right. things we are facing because that, of our faith in Jesus. That measure of in- intentionality, I think, in, in living out the gospel sure. and making that conscious choice that I'm going to speak for Christ, I'm going to live for Christ, as opposed to the trials that someone would go through with sickness or so, something that comes upon them that has nothing to do with their faith yeah. necessarily. But, but I would I would say like uh, to me I think you know if Jake and Aaron move over to Ethiopia and did one of you get like malaria at one point? We've been sick a lot. Okay, point, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've had all kinds yeah, of crazy yeah. stuff. Um, I have braces because I that's just true, fell man. Yeah. Of, uh, my house. Yeah. I like I I <laughs> I think and not to you know not to I don't know make this weird for you or whatever but yeah. like to me. That sure. does fit in the category. He sure. wasn't pelted sure. with stones over there, but it was a. Uh, if you stay in the states, you don't get malaria, right? right? Like yeah. if you, you if you choose, parasite. it is a choice. Right. You know, I think, uh, I think through Second uh, Corinthians eleven is where I go a lot of times with Paul sure. talking about the hardships he's faced, and a lot of it is beatings and imprisonment and all of those things. But then there's other things shipwrecks. like shipwrecks, which yeah. nobody did that to him, right. but he does avoid that if he doesn't obey God and yes. go on the mission. Yep. Yes. Um, he even talks about, uh, he says, on top of all this, he mentions these things, uh, on top of all this, he goes, I face the constant like mental anguish of my concern for the churches. Mm-hmm. And he even counts in there his willingness to invest in the life of the body of the church that to, to the fact that it hurts him, that he has sleepless nights over these things as mm-hmm. suffering. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Um, so uh, I don't, it's, it's a weird thing. I don't want to, 
we cannot say that all suffering's the same, sure. that it's equal. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also want to count that there's there are different categories yep. of it for Christ. Right. You know? That's why I think the awareness piece is critical. Mm-hmm. So that when what what is Paul talking about, and then just get real specific, like a, like interpret the text. This is the kind of persecution that Paul is talking about here yeah. uh, with the Thessalonians. Here, this is the kind of persecution that Paul is talking about here as he comes out of Philippi. This is the kind of suffering that Jesus is talking about, and when you're when you're talking about it more generically in the future you will be persecuted. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus may be talking about a number of different things yeah. that's describing what's happening. I mean, being cast out of the synagogue is kind of what Jesus yeah. is warning against, yeah. which is different than being stoned to death. Yes. Right? So one kind of puts you in harm's way and the other one harms you. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it becomes these layers. And I think the more that we be- begin to then interpret it and help people understand. So this is why I love real time. Mm-hmm. When we do real time, and we're sitting down, we're talking to Jake and Aaron 15, 16 years ago, 17 years ago, when they're in the planning stages, and they begin to talk about, so why do you want to do this? Well, I mean, I'm really excited about making a difference in people's lives. Awesome. Have you counted the cost? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's going to be uh, literally this amount of money per year. No, 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 the other kind of cost. Mm-hmm. Well, and we and we said, okay, like, do you understand, like, malaria? I remember talking to you about sure. malaria when I was yeah. in Africa with you. And, yeah. like, what's the plan mm-hmm. for, you know, are you taking pills, like, every day for mm-hmm. the for the decade-ish yeah, more than decade that you were there. I mean, so what's the plan? And and I think that's where part of the difficulty or the hardship, or I don't know if I would call malaria persecution, but I definitely would call it like right. suffering for the sake yeah, of the gospel. Sure. Yeah, you know. And so I think that's the part as you add the specificity to the conversation. So when Jake is discouraged and um, we're visiting him, and he looks at me and says, "I just can't believe that my son has malaria." Then I don't just go, why are you complaining, dude? I go, but let's, let's remember, Jake. Like, let's remember that it's worth it for the mm-hmm. gospel. Like, let me, let me encourage you that uh, the gospel is worth it. Let me encourage you. And I think that's even how the, the New Testament writers are talking about it. It's not suck it up buttercup. Um, as much as it seems to be, I just want to remind you. It's, it's, at least that's what I, I think Paul and Peter are doing. Let me remind you of either what the reward is going to be and therefore suffer through mm-hmm. or let me remind you of the value of the um, uh, of the of the expense that you're feeling right now mm-hmm. and i and i think that's the context that right. he's trying to remind them of yeah i agree and, and definitely that was wrapped up a lot of times for us in illness but probably even the the most poignant time for us in recognizing suffering and gospel was actually sending aiden off to boarding school and recognizing that it wasn't about a, an education necessarily because he was homeschooling at the time. Um, it, for his character development, it was the best move, but ultimately it enabled us to continue to focus on the gospel. And so we were willing as a family to mm. not have our son live with us, to suffer in a small way that sure most people don't really feel very comfortable with, sending a sixth grader. Uh, to another country uh, to study. He had just clarified, uh, you were in Ethiopia. I was in Ethiopia. He was in Kenya. He was in, yeah, doing yeah, boarding so school in Kenya. So it's an international flight to go see him, pay a visa, mm-hmm. drive 12 hours from our station into the capital city, then an international flight mm-hmm. of two hours down to Nairobi, Kenya, mm-hmm. and then a two-hour drive out to his school. So it wasn't just popping over to see him. Yeah. It was yeah. physical effort, intentionality to get out there. But we got to a point where we recognized that 
not only for Aiden's character and spiritual development is this important, it also is wrapped up in this aspect of the gospel for the Gumu's people. Yeah. That that this was a suffering we needed to take upon ourselves in order to see the gospel continue to go forth uh, among this people group. So that's and and this is one one of the reasons I wanted to have you here, Jake, is just because you 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 have the ability to give us a perspective outside of our mm-hmm. our little American world, sure. where you know what I mean, and and um, because that that gets this gets difficult for us. This gets hard, and so I want to kind of start to to talk yeah, about yeah, this a little yeah, bit. Yeah. What what do, I mean, obviously, you can look at Paul and Barnabas and Peter in the first century and go. Yeah, I know exactly what's coming your way um, to to when you say that we got to go through tribulations to enter the kingdom. Yeah, you're going to get chased out of town. You're going to get imprisoned. You're going to get yeah. beaten. You're going to yeah. get socially marginalized. Um, wh- what does this, if it is such an expectation that, that Christians ought to be suffering for the name of Jesus, what does that look like in in a modern Western democracy? with freedom of religion and those kinds of things. And how do we talk about this in a way that is legitimate, but does not make light of yeah. um, our sure. brothers and sisters whose churches are being bombed in Sri Lanka. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I no, don't I, want to absolutely. make light of that. Like Jim said, I don't want to walk into a room mm. with someone who's been abused and be like, yeah, somebody said something kind of unkind to me. So mm-hmm. we're the same. Or a uh, Sri Lankan yeah. believer. <laughs> me, me, yes. And be like, oh, sorry, your whole family was killed. Yes. I mean, I had a rough day the other day at Starbucks. Yes. I had a WWJD bracelet on. Somebody was dogging me. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't quite balance out. That person was actually a Christian who was just dog. <laughs> Why do you still have a WWJD <laughs> yeah. bracelet, it was man? It not 1995. Um, <laughs> you listen to DC Talk, too. Um, no, so this is... The, but that is my question that I have been working through. Man, I, I'm reading these texts going... I. I believe, I don't know what this looks like exactly. I believe I, there should be more in my life. So, so what does, what does it look like yeah. to go through hardship here today? What, what would fit in that? Teach us, Jake. Well, I, I will say, I don't think that we need to all develop a, a martyr complex. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that this means let's go lay down on the tracks and let the train run over us or become jihadists of some mm-hmm. sort. I don't think that that's what the, the gospel is calling us to. I mentioned it a second ago uh, with something that Justin said, but I think it's about intentionality. So in a Western democratic society, how is how are we being intentional in speaking and living out the gospel mm-hmm. in our community? Mm-hmm. Um, intentionality has wrapped up in an effort and work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to pay a price mm-hmm. to be intentional to live out your faith. Mm-hmm. And that effort, that work mm-hmm. is going to feel like suffering at some point because speaking the life of somebody else, having someone into your home is going to get messy mm-hmm. and it's going to feel like a form of suffering in a lot of ways. And so I think that's a great starting for place for us as a church is really being intentional about how we're going yeah. to live out our faith here in Stillwater. That's good. Uh, Justin? Yeah. Um, we talked this about this at staff meeting. I thought it was a really great discussion. And something that you said made me think one of the reasons maybe some Christians feel this angst that, like, I don't remember any time I've faced suffering or persecution because of my faith. Maybe because they haven't engaged, like, the battleground. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is, like, if, if we are in the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of the world and there is a conflict— 
then to be part of that conflict will mean that we do there is a cost and we will face difficulties and if you're not facing some of that maybe it means you just haven't been going to the front lines much mm-hmm. you actually you you go to church and you go to your life group and you go to your job and you're at home and they're tough things about life n- normal stresses of life or um, trials that you may go through in general but maybe you haven't faced any kind of pu- uh, persecution or suffering you know socially probably less than getting punched in the face in our right. context mm-hmm. because you're not actually doing ministry with or toward people who are against Jesus right who are outside of a life in Christ and I think that's a reality for a lot of believers we kind of say oh, the pastors will do that or or I'll say Jim will do that <laughs> um, I'm just I'm gonna minister to all the Christian parents kids now who are probably raising you know I well, think that's that's not, one option. Not only that, but think about it in terms of what we've done. We've had a lot of conversations about evangelism these last few weeks, about celebrate and share the the, the, mm-hmm. go, the gospel. So what happens when I say, okay, so here's my plan for evangelism, is I'm going to um, start by mowing my neighbor's yard, and then I'm going to be really kind to them, and then I'm going to become their friend, and then we're going to... Um, you know, maybe go out and eat a couple of times. And then seven months later, when we're really, really good friends, then I'm going to share the gospel with him. Yeah, like you'll never face obstacles. <laughs> like if you only, if you wait and develop a really good, healthy relationship with everybody before you ever share the gospel. I'm not saying that you were even doing that intentionally. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not saying that, but I'm going, then you will naturally never really face opposition when you share the gospel, most likely. Why? Because there, I removed that barrier. I'm not even saying it's not a good idea to do it. I'm going, but we've kind of taken something out of the equation sometimes. I remember when Rob Bell, a couple of years ago, did one of his NUMA videos where he mocked the guy that stands on the street corner with the sandwich board sign, repent. The bullhorn guy. The bullhorn yeah. guy, yeah, the bullhorn guy. And I remember going, I get what he's saying. And I and it, what's weird was the first time I watched it, I totally agreed with him. And then the more that I kind of played it out, the more I kind of thought, there's a lot of people in the Bible that were the bullhorn guy <laughs> and really kind of took it on the chin. And so I, I think I agree that to just stand on the street corner and yell at people probably isn't necessarily like a religious way of express or a, or a biblical way of expressing your faith it's more religious oriented mm-hmm. than biblical um and then on the other hand if god told you to do it and so i kind of walked away from that i think a lot of our evangelistic model of how we share our faith or how we engage our culture is designed by us to kind of not have pain <laughs> we like, like comfortable we <laughs> do comfortable i mean it's we we make it far yeah. more comfortable almost intuitively like i don't i don't know if anybody sat down and said okay guys i hate hurting but it's like talk to people um oh are you uncomfortable well let me tell you a, a way that you can do it and so it's a natural tendency for us and so one of the reasons why i'm not used to um uh, opposition towards persecution is because I've totally inoculated my gospel presentations to friends in my living room where it's a really, really safe place, where I know that the worst case scenario is someone to say, well, listen, Jim, I love you and I appreciate you, but I don't know if I disagree, I don't know if I agree with you. That's my worst case scenario by design. Yeah. Even though I didn't design it for that, I designed it, hopefully I designed it for the, 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 the best or the most efficient or the most uh, compelling way to present the gospel. But I think that's one of the reasons. And I think one of the consequences of like that concept of relational evangelism is that. 
Yeah. And so you don't see the Apostle Paul going, hey, you know, we went to Philippi, and the first thing we did was, like, you don't do that. <laughs> like, he didn't do that. Yeah. And I guess, you know, you guys that are around me a lot, you're hearing me talk about this a lot. I'm not against the idea. I'm just going, it is such the only way we do it. I'm really wondering if we haven't complicated uh, gospel presentation or even other issues like op- opposition and persecution. Well, I was actually thinking about this on the drive over here in light of some of the questions too, but uh, there in the last 25 years has been the rise in uh, every church going on short-term mission trips. Yeah. And I think it's actually wrapped up in this idea that we can go and we can be missional for 10 days <laughs> and then for the, the other 300 and what four, 55 five days of the yeah. year i get to be comfortable back home in my yeah. own country and yeah. so missionality being missional yes. doesn't have to do with what's going on here in stillwater it's just what we do down in mexico yeah. mm-hmm. and i think that that's that's a, a signifier of where we're having a problem as a church and figuring yeah. out how to have the joys of the gospel along with the suffering of the gospel that paul talks a lot about in philippians i mean we just don't match it very well yeah. we we like to have it out there yeah. At comfortable distance. So you, what you need to do Sunday, Drew, okay, and or what you should have done publicly last. repent. <laughs> no, 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 not that. No, but help us see it. Like for example, like I think what Paul and let's let's go back. Like what Paul and Peter and Jesus do, yeah, particularly Paul and Peter because they're in the context of it. Jesus is going through his and he's promising his disciples will. But Paul and Peter are describing the situation that's happening to them. Hmm. Like this is what we went through. Remember when I got beat up in Philippi? Like, that's what I'm talking about. I think you need to help us see, like, what it does and can and possibly will look like without just being the guy going, you know, in 10 years' time, I fully believe yeah. that we may go to jail. I mean, without being that guy. Because, yeah. you know, I've, that's always been a kind of a weird one for me because mm-hmm. I don't know how we can know that. But to talk about, like, where where do you feel it? Without trying to make it the same as what, what so-and-so experienced, to be able to say these are the areas in which I think there is a societal pressure on us and it will either silence us or we'll push back. And I really believe that in that sense, the persecution in terms of the way that we see in the New Testament will grow as we don't capitulate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if 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 there is an issue that we're, we're speaking on and then we just feel uncomfortable so we kind of shrink back, well, then we will never face persecution. But if we speak out in the name of Christ, by the way, not about issues, but in the name of Christ, about Christ, and then there is pushback, and then we push against that, I promise you it's a game of chicken. Yeah. And that's what Paul and Peter were dealing with. Rome was like, okay, we told you to stop it, and you didn't stop it, and so now we're going to beat you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the thing is, a lot of us are going, you do know I'll call you names on Twitter. Oh, okay, yeah, then I won't do that. You know I'll, I'll yeah. label you as ineffective. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mine. I'll label yeah. you as an ineffective church. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll I'll become I'll be I'll find another way to yeah, be effective. Yeah, I think we, we fear judgment or the perception of judgment uh, yes. from people around us. Yes, and so and, literally, and, and, so I shrink back. Yeah, paralyzed. And I us. and it never goes further. And so it's a little bit of like, how far do you? I mean, we, we all have kids, right? Mm-hmm. How far do you want to take this? Because I'm, I'll start by talking to you, and if you kind of listen, well, then it'll stop. But what happens when your kid just will not listen to you? You have to raise the ante. I think in that sense, that's what's happening in, in the culture, is if we're not going to be quiet, it's going to raise the ante. I wonder if one of the reasons why persecution is not happening in America is not because out of nowhere um, it's going to come, 
but it literally is a we're not going to be capitulate. We're not going to we're not going to give in. We're not going to be quiet. I think a couple ways I've seen going back to your original question, I've seen it um, a form of suffering for Christ in the sense of if I didn't put myself with Christ, I wouldn't face this mm-hmm. is our relationships and in social um, context. So um, you can lose family members, like yeah. relationship with family members because of your faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. or it can at least really strain alter them. them. And yeah. 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 And that's something I, fa- I, I know I've seen um, and with friends, like I tell that to students a lot. You do know this will cost you friendships mm-hmm. and friendships. A lot of times right. I tell them <laughs> acquaintances, it costs you something relationally because of your attachment to Jesus if you do this. And then socially, and I think we see this a lot in North America more and more, that public ridicule coming upon those who attach themselves to Jesus is a very real thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that means for individuals or businesses even. I mean, we talk about Canada. Um, if you hold to a, a biblical sexual ethic or an understanding of how God has created men and women, um, you can lose your children because of that now mm-hmm. which is that's a real thing and yeah. truly if you were to say oh no i'm just going to kind of bend the knee to what culture says just so i can keep my kids that's okay that you're you're making a conscious decision and it's not that's interesting and you know th- mm-hmm. those are real things that mm-hmm. are today i think that's why we're even seeing in the church um social issues driving us instead of the name of jesus mm. so um it's it's in the social issues that are driving the church are the same ones that are in the world, and so I can become uh, I can be against injustice or I can be against these things, um, and that's why I, I, if you go back and you look, all of the problems that the New Testament had was not because they cared for the poor and not because they no nah, that's mm-hmm. fine we don't care if you do that it's your allegiance swearing to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is going to be the problem. You can care for the poor all day long. You can you can grab those kids out of the dumps and care for them. That's not the problem. You're claiming Caesar is not Lord, but Jesus is, and that is the problem. Like your your lifestyle is fundamentally different, um, and so there is that element to it. So I would even say the more that as a church we find ourselves wrapped up in causes mm-hmm. instead of Christ, we're 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 actually finding ways to not be persecuted. It's another I, I way to that. to like do good and right things in a way that like maintains social cachet and like yes. that we can we can do the right thing. I can speak out against racism and and the world will applaud me rather than come after me. It's it's still a good thing, but so this this does kind of you know, I what I've been wrestling through in my own mind is I know my tendency uh personally to uh to have like an addiction to comfort and ease so much so that i don't even think it's not even like i'm sitting there going i'm only going to tweet about racism because that way no (laughs) one i don't even i don't have to think like that i I naturally do everything i can to avoid hardship and difficulty it is not second nature it's first nature (laughs) um and so you know, my first—I was going to ask the question: Should we be suffering more? I, I think the answer is just yes. Um, I, I think we should. Uh, but so then, uh, let me ask: Get a little bit more specific. How do I know 
how much I should be suffering or what is the guide between, you know, where's the line between I only do relational evangelism so that it doesn't get hard for me or I do relational evangelism because it seems to be more effective than bullhorn corner evangelism. How do I, what are some guidelines that I can use to determine whether I'm just wussing out or I'm being wise? Because I know I will say wise a lot, but uh, it's, it's a nice cover for, for, being a coward sometimes i think our language helps us a lot first of all like to know how do we increase in this or should we is understanding like we said the categories so being specific like there are things in the christian life which we sacrifice okay we are willingly laying down our time we are willingly willing to give up our money for the lord and those are those are just sacrifices we wouldn't say necessarily those may lead to sufferings uh, but not necessarily, those are self-inflicted. We're giving those up. Mm. Um, there are di- trials, death, disease, disasters that we just face in this world. Those are difficult things. And then there are like sufferings where like a shipwreck, something that happened because of your obedience to Jesus that mm. wasn't like mm-hmm. an attack. And that mm-hmm. might that might be what we would call a persecution, an attack from somebody either socially or physically because of your allegiance to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so even working within those terms, I'm sure those those are probably a little bit more fluid than those hard lines, and there's other words that describe them, but those four categories I think are really helpful. You know, the sacrifices that are willing, that we lay down, the trials we all face, death, disease, the um, sufferings, or the, the persecution. Like those things, having those categories, and what are the different things that we face in this life how those fit when you read uh, Philippians 16 and Paul's taken to prison and beaten and all of these things you just quickly ask a question like could that happen in Stillwater and the answer is no we even live in a country where I have right now the right. freedom to speak and so I can speak and so to to believe that somehow I need to say something so that I can create Philippians 16 mm-hmm. and go to or jail. <laughs> yeah Acts 16 and Philippi to happen in Stillwater and I think that's where it's completely misguided. Mm-hmm. So in the end, because we live in a land that has the freedom of speech, not, which was not in the first century world, um, you need to be able to say, okay, so what can you expect? And, and I'll tell you this, that's why I love the idea of like pursuing Christ, and we gotta do it even in the context of community. So Drew, like, to have a conversation with someone and say, like, these are some relationships that I think I am not speaking truthfully in terms of who Jesus Christ is or his ex- expectation in their lives, I think I'm beginning to do that for my own comfort and not for the sake of, of, of the gospel or the witness of the church or even their own salvation. Um, and when you put that into, again, real time, like I think I might lose this close friend if I speak the truth to him about, about the gospel. Okay, but do you, do you, and then you work it through. Do you feel like you need to say it? Yeah, I really do. Okay, well then I'm going to hold you to that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to pray for you. Let me know how that goes. And I think the more that we genuinely engage culture and we keep Jesus the reason, not because of the side issues, which by the way, may or may not come. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in those side issues, but I'm saying, but at the forefront, the tip of the spear is Christ. The tip of the spear is salvation through him and through him alone. The tip of the spear is our allegiance to him. Then the fallout just kind of is what happens when the, when the spear enters in. Mm-hmm. But the tip of the spear has to be Christ, has to be in terms of who he is. And then the implications, I think, should naturally ripple out. Mm-hmm. But I think the more that we have these conversations with our kids 
hey, yeah, like, are you not being asked to go places? Okay, well, then that is what the Bible said was is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the more that we pursue this and the more that we, okay, you're, you're not going to be uh, as as popular or you're not going to be as gifted at a sporting idea or whatever, or a sporting ability, like whatever it is, I think if we have those conversations, we can then know the answer to the question in terms of how much should we be suffering mm-hmm. and put it in our context. Don't, don't expect... Don't don't expect a jailer in in uh, like the don't expect a Philippian jailer in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, big questions, questions that uh, I think uh, are worth thinking through and praying through and talking through. Um, uh, my prayer for us as a church is that God would give us wisdom in this, and um, even more than that, that He would give us boldness, that we wouldn't shrink back from hardship and difficulty in our lives. Um, Thanks for talking this through with me, guys, and uh, we'll see everybody next time.